You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Hearing the word of the Lord as Pastor Bill prepares to come and preach to us, we're going to be in the book of John today. John chapter 4, where it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field of Jacob, near, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you, are now, and you, one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is God's word. Thank you, Pastor. Well, we are about to face uh, another Super Bowl Sunday. It's coming up. Uh, It won't be that long before a lot of you will be planning your little parties and whatever else you do. Um, Now, many of you know that I don't watch the Super Bowl. I I don't dislike football as a game, okay, please understand that, but uh, Super Bowl Sunday seems to be less and less about football uh, as a game, and and more and more about things like the chance of a wardrobe malfunction or uh, some message of what life really is and how to live it to its fullest. So it's really oftentimes become more about like halftime entertainment and this communication um, that, uh, that goes on far longer than gameplay day, all right? Um, and, and, and 
I, I don't want to bash the Super Bowl for what it's intended to be. But it's, it, right now, it's a very relevant piece of what I think we need to look at and what Jesus is trying to address in this passage that uh, we have just heard. And that is that the world is screaming to us this idea of what life is supposed to be like and how to live it and how to live it to its fullest. And this is what... Uh, corporations are paying multi-millions of dollars on Super Bowl Sunday to do is to convince you that their product will make your life so much better and that their product above all other products is the product and they're going to prove it because they're going to make the best ad and pay the most money to slap it across the screen and at the end of the day that's what people are going to be talking about. And when the game is over, people will be sitting around utilizing some product and saying, well, the commercial was great. What are they really saying? The commercial was great, but the product really isn't coming through. I'm no more satisfied than I was pre-game. I'm no happier than I was pre-game. There's nothing better or richer in my life than there was pre-game. And so the reality is that we are searchers. We are a people who long to find that one thing. We're looking, we're hunting, we're all about getting that thing that is going to make our lives better or richer or fuller or complete in some way. And the world is giving you such a loud message as to what that is. And I'm here today to say to you that Jesus has already said what it is. It's Him. He is it. And that's why we're going to look at this particular metaphor for just a few minutes today. We're in this series of metaphors of Jesus. And today He is talking about Himself in the context of living water. And, and we want to look at this for just a few minutes um, and then take you to the communion table. We've talked about the, the, you know, Jesus as that great shepherd, that one that, that gives care to us. Uh, and we open Jesus up as the bread of life and, and, and his ability to, to sustain us. And David talked to you last week about the vine and, and being grafted in the importance of that. And so here we have Jesus now as he is on a journey. And on this journey going across uh, Palestine, he uh, encounters this woman when he stops at this particular well, Jacob's well, in this, this land of Sakar, And he begins to have this dialogue with her. Now, I want to just go like behind that for just a minute and talk to you for just a minute about the idea of water. Um, you know, the Greek philosophers, they all believed that water was the, like, original substance and that everything else came from water. And even in our creation narrative, water plays a real element, elemental part to, to uh, you know, to the whole thing of creation. Uh, water is big. You need water. You can't survive without water. Your body won't survive without water. You need it. Now, if you're like me, and I'm not saying that you are, some of you are, are amazing. Some of you drink a lot of water. Um, you, you, it, it's great. I, I have great admiration for you. I don't drink a lot of water. I don't like water, to be honest with you. I think it tastes horrible. 
Um, I've never found water to be attractive or, or, or delightful or, or delicious or any of those kinds of things. You know, uh, Starbucks coffee, a, a venti latte, no foam with one raw sugar is an amazing piece of work. It's absolutely outstanding. Um, I'm told by a lot of you in here uh, that Cofea does a, a, a mean latte as well. Okay. And, and I, I have come to believe, maybe I'm delusional, but I have come to believe that there's a whole lot of water in that drink that is sufficient for me that I can make it if I just drink latte. So I have no need for basic water. And, and, and a lot of you college students in particular, um, you know, I, by the way, you're coming to my house on February 14th for lunch. Uh, it's going to just be a, a great time. When I have the college students at my house, I buy a couple of cases of water. They're healthy, and they're young, and, and, and they're visionary, and they're dreamers, and they're looking to a long and healthy life, and so they drink water. I'm 62. I figure I'm on the downside of things. I'm just going to enjoy my coffee and have a good time, all right? It, you know, if we can all accept this, we can live together very beautifully. It can be a wonderful life for all of us, amen? Uh, so, so, but, but here in the Scriptures... It seems that there is something that is being said about living water. And, and Jesus, in his intent to help this woman understand some things, uses this metaphor and sets himself in this picture in such a way as, I am this living water. And, you know, if we go back and we look at Palestine, and we, we do a little, a little history work there, we're going to find that this is an area of the world where people especially appreciated water. It was a, it was a place and a time where uh, they did not have a lot of water in Palestine. It, it was, in essence, a scarcity, all right? Um, and and there were villages in Palestine or towns that were literally known for the quality of water that they had. And they would use adjectives to describe their water. Some, some of it clear water, uh, cool water. Some were described as having heavy water. Uh, so, so just like people who drink coffee find these nuances and undertones to their coffee. Apparently, people in Palestine found these nuances and undertones to their water. And, and so cities actually literally became uh, cities of reputation based on this whatever kind of water they had. And we find Jesus, the Bible says, passing through this area and stops at Jacob's well here, um, which is an amazing well uh, in, in this area. It's like 75 feet deep and about four and a half feet wide. So this is no little trickle here. This is, this is a, a quite a, a deep well. And, and he finds himself here uh, in, the, in the middle of the day. And a woman is coming here. And so he engages her. He has this, this sort of uh, conversation with her. All right. Now, keep in mind that, that the idea in the Greek languages about, about this type of water that is being spoken of here is, is the idea of like a fountain. Like, like water that springs up with action. Like it, it moves. It has action to it. It's re- actually re- referred to as leaping up. All right? 
So this, this is kind of the, the, the connotation here. And this is what Jesus is saying about himself. He is this living water. He is this fountain, all right? He is this sort of undying flow of water that, that in a sense, or in essence, leaps up. It's living water, if you will. And so John structures this narrative in, in such a way that, that at the beginning here, he just kind of sets this little background where he says that, that, that Jesus learned that, that the Pharisees had gotten some word about what he was doing. And the fact that he was making disciples and he was baptizing, they, they said more disciples than John. Actually, he, he clarifies and says that Jesus himself didn't do the baptizing, but that it was done by the disciples. But Jesus, understanding this, it says, he left Judea and he departed again for Galilee. And as he is going to Galilee here, it says that he had to pass through Samaria. He, 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 he had to. In other words, he, it sounds like he didn't have a choice. It sounds like there wasn't any other way. But the reality is there were other ways. There were, there were longer ways and they were ways where one had to cross the river and travel up the other side. But there were other ways for him to take this journey. But this passage here indicates that he had to go this way. And, and, and I want to say to you that I think we see here something very insightful. And that is that the Son of God has this amazing message of who He is. And God is working in Him. And He had to go this way because He had to encounter this lovely woman at this well. And there wasn't another way because his father had authored this particular event to happen on this particular day. And not only because he wanted to impart this message to this particular woman, but to an entire city we'll see at the end. And so even though there were other ways to go, it appears that Jesus is compelled by the Spirit of God to go this way. And it seems to stop here at this well because he comes to this town of Samaria called Sychar near this field of Jacob which he had given to his son Joseph and Jacob's well was there. And isn't it amazing that Jesus is weary at this moment and in his weariness he stops and he is sitting here and here comes this woman. Now that's sort of the background there, all right? Jesus is moving along. But now enters into the narrative this woman who is coming at the middle of the day. Now please understand, women don't just come to the well any time of the day. As a matter of fact, most women would not come to the well at the midday time. They would come in the evening or perhaps the early morning before the sun was so treacherous. They would come together in groups. They would never come alone. But this woman comes alone. This woman comes at a time when she knows no one else will be around. She comes at a time when others like her, but not like her, wouldn't be there to look at her or to talk 
about her or to isolate her and reject her. And so she comes almost as a woman in secret, yet in the middle of the day. And Jesus begins to speak to her. She is a Samaritan. But he begins to speak to her. And he has this this amazing dialogue with her for the next number of verses here. All right. So we see here that, that God is using his son and purposes for his son to be in a particular place to meet uh, this woman. Let me tell you something. God has purpose to meet every one of you. God has purposed that his son and you would have an encounter. And, and, and make no mistake, God's intent is for you to see Jesus. To see him and to understand who he is. Not to see him on some earthly level, but to see him in heavenly language. To see him as he truly is, as the Son of God. And this lovely lady, she starts this dialogue and she's still down on the earth. She's, st- she's talking down here about water down here. And Jesus is talking heavenly. He's talking at a different place than she is. But he's revealing himself to her as he goes along here. The whole intent of Jesus, my friend, is to reveal himself to you and to this world. And not only to reveal himself to you, but to use you to reveal him to others. It's not just that you be known, but that you make him known to others around you. And so we're going to see this woman shift from this place of deep need in her place of brokenness to a place of being one literally on mission, as in immediately. She's right there. And so he begins this dialogue with her. She comes out and he says to her, give me a drink. Now that, that, that doesn't sound awful. That doesn't sound horrible. That doesn't sound inappropriate to us. But this is a Samaritan woman. Jesus is a Jew. They just don't talk to each other. They don't mix. They, they don't have anything together. This is an amazing picture that we have here now. There's, there's, have you ever gotten on Facebook? Of course you have. That's a silly question. Every one of you have, probably. If you, if you haven't, I would love to talk to you. I'd just be really intrigued by you if you've never been on Facebook, okay? <laughs> Dwight, Dwight might be, okay. <laughs> if have you ever been on Facebook and you, you see one of those pictures and it's like, what's wrong with this picture? You know, and a lot of times that's like the subtitle. It's like there's a picture of something. But it's like something that's really outrageous. It's like really crazy. Like it just doesn't fit, you know. And, and, and you see it and you know it. But, but sometimes you'll see a, a post and, and little kids get these in, in, in like handouts sometimes. What's wrong with this picture? Something just doesn't fit there in the picture and you have to find all the things that don't fit this is a little like that all right this is like that picture that that is unusual a matter of fact some of it even seems crazy here jesus just doesn't as a jew talk to 
a Samaritan. But it, it goes further back than that. Jesus is already known. He already has a reputation. He's moved about the countryside. He's, he's done things. And, and people have seen him and watched him. And they've, they've heard him teach teach he's he's spoken to their their hearts and so here is a man who is already in essence a holy man all right he's leading a movement of people already to to bring Israel back to God all right and and John's readers here they all know this kind of stuff all right and, and so it's in this context that we see something happening because a devout Jewish man would not find himself alone with a, an unmarried woman. It wouldn't happen in, in the context of that culture. Those men would not risk that. They wouldn't risk uh, the, the, the possibility of gossip. They wouldn't uh, risk being drawn into some type of immorality or, or anything like that. Yet Jesus is not only there, but he actually initiates this conversation with this woman and, and it literally startles the disciples down the, down the way a little bit here that, that he's actually doing this. But also, we have to see here in this picture that, that this woman being a Samaritan, you know, you've got to understand a little bit of that history maybe. The exiles, when they came back from Babylon... Um, they found this sort of central section of, of Palestine here, uh, and they, they occupied uh, this. But, but they, these Samaritans had come into this middle section, and, and they had sort of settled in there. And uh, they, they believed that they were the, the true descendants of Abraham, and they opposed the return of the exiles to come back in. So you have these Samaritans here who are living and dwelling, and then you've got these exiles who are coming back in and trying to settle. And so you see this contention that is going on here. And so they won't have anything to do with each other. The Jews decide they're not going to have anything to do with these Samaritans here. And especially, they would not share things like, like a plate or a cup or a container to hold water pulled up out of a well. And, and a Jew certainly would not drink from something that the hands of a Samaritan had touched, much less held. And Jesus looks at this woman and says, give me a drink. There, there, there are other things here. This, this is just not the normal time. This woman obviously has something going on. It wouldn't be hard for anyone to kind of figure that out, that she's coming, at, as I said, at this sort of odd time so that she doesn't rub elbows with, with all these other ladies and, and get into all of that, that kind of stuff. Um, but again and again, in the Gospel of John, he, just, he brings out these beautiful ways in which Jesus speaks into the lives of people. And here's what, you, what I want you and I to understand and sort of grasp today. And, and this, this wonderful baptism today was so powerful to me. Um, and not just the visual of, of baptism. I love that. I love visuals. I love when we can see it. You know, it's, it's just great. And I love the message that we get uh, when we see these things. And, and they're, they're, they're brought out so beautifully. But honestly, the, the, the most impacting thing to me today is Becky's 90 Days of Freedom. 
the reality that here's a woman who, who and, and she, she allowed for Dave and I to share her story. Um, and I think she, we told her as we were talking with her and um, we prayed with her and, and she accepted Christ in our office uh, the, the other day. We, we were praying with her and talking to her and I was like, Becky, people need to hear this. I don't, I don't know where you are, and I would never invade your privacy. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to in any way, you know, do, do that. But people need to hear that this is the message. Freedom from bondage. Deliverance. Jesus said, I came to set the captive free. Folks, if Jesus needed a drink of water, he could have got one. Come on. If you're thirsty, you can get some water. This woman needed living water. She needed this Jesus. She needed this revelation. She needed this understanding here, if you will. And so Jesus begins to try to talk to her. And obviously he's talking from what we said was this sort of more heavenly language. And she's still down there in this sort of natural sense. But, but she's not bound to stay there. She's not bound to live down there. You're not bound to live in that place. You're not bound to live down in an earthly place. You don't have to listen to commercials and form your uh, lifestyle based on what some commercial tells you it can do for you to give you an abundant life or a fun life or a full life or a rich life or a greater life or a better life. It is in Christ. And He's never, ever left this position. This declaration of being living water. This is one way. All these other wells are subject to dry up. And I love the prophet in the Old Testament when it says that he was by the brook. And the ravens came and fed him. He had what he needed, basically. The ravens gave him food. And he had water from the brook. But the Bible says, And then the brook dried up. And he had to move. Hey, this fountain doesn't dry up. This fountain doesn't shut off. This fountain doesn't quit. This is Jesus. He is the Son of God. He has everything you and I need to be fulfilled and satisfied for all of eternity. And He has it right in the here and the now. So Jesus says, I am the living water. And He's making it clear here that He's talking about something quite different than what this woman is talking about here. And she, he is saying that he is that spring that can bubble up inside of her. And she won't ever have to thirst again. And he's going to go on a little later in chapter 7 and talk more about being this, this living water, if you will. And he's going to talk there even more about what it means. Right now he's a little bit maybe cryptic in what he's saying to her, but she's starting to, to dialogue with him. And, and it seems to be enough that she gets that, hey, I'm really tired. I'm really exhausted. 
And we would immediately think, oh, it would be awful to have to go to a well that's 75 feet deep and, and, and drop down and draw water out of that place and carry it back. And, and I wouldn't want to go early in the morning to do that, much less late at night to do that. But sometimes the women around that area, they would go in the cool of the evening and it would literally be after dark and into the night before they would get back home with their water. And so here's a woman who says to him when he speaks like this, give me this water that I don't ever thirst again. And, and you know, immediately we begin to think, we, we kind of come down and we think like she thinks, and we start to say, that would be awful. That would be terrible to have to go every day and get water and come back home and go back the next day and go through all of that. That would be exhausting. That would be tiring. That would, that would be something that I would just get burnt out on if I had to do that every day. Let me tell you something. That is not the issue. That is not the problem. This woman is tired of trying to fill herself up and satisfy herself with something that just won't ever satisfy. He says, go get your husband. He wasn't condescending. Don't, don't get that idea that, that he's some Pharisee, because he's not. He's not looking down on her and judging her here. He's just saying, hey, let's get to the core. Let, let's just go to where it's at. Go get your husband. I'm not married. No, you're not. You've had five. And the one you're with now isn't even your husband. He just had a way of putting his hand on the pulse of what is messed up, what is broken. And he says, you're right. You're right. But see, he knows what she needs. And so he declares that he is this living water. Not without some, some dialogue, not without some bantering, not, not without some, some back and forth stuff going on here at all. She says, oh, uh, well, I, I perceive you're a, you're a prophet, so let's talk religion. I hate that when people do that. Don't you? Don't, don't you just, when, when you just want to share the love of Jesus and you just want to tell somebody about Jesus, and, and, and so they deflect. As soon as you get to where the, the, the pain is, when you get to where that, that place of need is, they, it's, it's not easy to go there, folks. And so most of us deflect immediately. We go off on something else. And one of the easiest things to go off on if someone is trying to share Jesus is religion. Well, there's two mountains. We're, we worship at this mountain, but the Jews all say it's got to be this one. Or it's got to be Jerusalem. It's got... Let me tell you something. Jesus is not contained by religion. Jesus isn't bringing religion. He says, I have come. He doesn't come to give you religion. He says, I have come to give you life. This, this, is not a, this is not an issue for Jesus. But, but this woman, she, she in a sense is, is, is in shock. Here he is telling her about herself, telling her what, what she's been involved in. But what he's really saying is, 
is I just want you to understand none of that has done it. None, none of that has satisfied you. None of that has taken care of you and fulfilled you. It's not giving you what you're longing for. It's not giving you what you've been created for. It's, it's not doing what I can do. And so he speaks to her and he, and, and he says, you know, go, go get your husband. Now, we got, we've got to stop. Here's the amazing thing. She, she goes back to her people. She, she goes back to those people that she had snuck away from and that she didn't want to be with because she knew what would happen if she was among them. She didn't want to talk with those ladies who would judge her and who would, would reject her. She didn't want to be put in that position and in that place of, of that sort of pain. She, she, did, she didn't want to come when the men would be there because she had no one to cover her. Even the man she was living with probably didn't feel the responsibility to protect her and take care of her. So she's there in the middle of the day and she finds this Jesus and after all of this dialogue and, and this revelation of her great need and him being the answer, he says, all right, go get him. And she goes back to her people and she says to them, she talks to them. And she says, you need to come and see this man. He's told me everything about myself. He's told me everything. In other words, this is no ordinary guy. No, I'm sure she wasn't at the place to say, yes, he is the son of God. But she's at a place to understand that there's something going on here. Enough that she suddenly, hear me, hear me. A woman who had probably been robbed of everything. Every level of dignity. Every level of place has a voice. She has a voice. Come see this man. He's told me everything about me. Do you know how risky that comment is? What would they say? How would they respond? And yet they come and and those of the city visit with him and they respond to her and they go, oh yes, he is, he's, he's the one. And not just because you told us, but we've been with him. We've been with him. But the amazing thing is from where they were and from where he was, there was one person that got them to him and it was this precious woman who needed living water. And he was it. And so it was imperative that he come this way, that he might meet her, that she might know him, and that a city might receive Jesus. Amen? He is the living water. Here's my heart for you this morning. We've talked about him as the vine. We've talked about him as the bread. And if you remember at, at the beginning in the, the original sermon in this series, I made reference of a set of symbols and, and the idea of how communion is 
holy and it's high and it's, it's sacred. And I don't ever want to lose that. I don't ever want to step away from that, that sacredness and that holiness of communion. But I want something to happen inside of you in the act of communion that is like symbols, just clanging, where it, you just reverberate, where it, it, it gets in you and it moves you powerfully. And so I'm going to invite you to the table now. And we're going to take communion together. But I want you to respond to the vine and the bread and the good shepherd. And today, the living water as we come to this table. Let me for just a moment pray for you. And let me say this to you as I pray for you. You have a choice. I know where many of you are, but some of you I don't. But you have a choice today. You can receive living water or you can walk away from it. What a tragedy. What a tragedy to walk away from something so powerful and so rich as Jesus. But here's the thing. We can relegate it down to earthly terms. We can even really destroy the metaphor if we try but let's not let's just let's just hold it for a little bit here a cup of water is only as good as it is when you drink it you can look at it all day you can talk about it you can intellectualize it you can do all kinds of things with it but if it stays in the cup it's just a cup of water. But when you drink it, something happens. It works in you. And you're not going to be able to encounter living water and continue to drink stale old water. Some things will have to change. But I invite you today to come to the table. I invite you today to encounter this Jesus. If you don't know him, all you got to do is pray. And I'm going to pray for you right now. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm far from living. I'm in death. But I want you living in me. The Apostle Paul said, I am dead, yet I live. But it's not me that's living. It is Christ living through me. And today you can receive this living water. And be refreshed in Christ alone. So let me pray for you. And if you accept Jesus as your Savior this morning, you're invited to come to this table. Join with us at this table. We invite you to. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everyone in the room. We've all stumbled over our own brokenness. We've all been ashamed of places in our lives. We've all had those tender spots that just hurt every time they're touched or nudged. But you, you are the good shepherd. You are everything that we need to be nourished. You are this bread of life. You are this vine that we grow out from and receive our fruitfulness. You are this living water that leaps up in us like a fountain flowing. 
I pray for those today, Lord, who came and didn't know you, but they're hearing you. They're hearing the same message that this woman heard by the well and longing to find this sort of, this kind this, of satisfaction. Would you give it right now? In Jesus' name. And those who have just carried that brokenness for years, have tried to love you and tried to walk with you and tried to obey you, but it's just, it's just been so hard because there's been all these places And none of those places have satisfied. None of those things have done it. And they've tried so hard and they're tired and they're weary. And they won't rest from it. Would you? Would you be that living water this morning? Would you come? And would you satisfy that deepest longing of their soul? Would you prepare our hearts as we come to your table? In Jesus' name.